Howdy, friends, and welcome to the Old Hat Podcast. This is James Chambliss, your host, also known as Old Hat. This is episode nine of the Old Hat Podcast, and I don't even know why I'm supposed to tell you that, but everybody else does in their podcast, so that's what I'm doing, too. <laughs> I'm still in the learning curve, as you can see here at episode nine. Got the stories down, but uh, the process, maybe we're still improving on a lot of that technologically and, uh, what do you call that, uh, process-wise, you know, learning which way to do that and when to say what. And The Old Hat Podcast, Episode 9, and it is brought to you today by coffee. Today's coffee was drunk it, sitting out by the waterfall with my lovely bride. We have a waterfall in our backyard. Uh, you know, there, there's there's... We needed to do something in our backyard because our house is built into a hillside and the backyard fell away so hard you could barely even mow the yard. And so we had to do something different with it. And so we kind of went with a with a countryfied version of the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. And we've got a waterfall out there with a stone patio around it. And it's lovely to sit out there. And we sat out there this morning with our coffee and talked about life, the universe and everything. It was a little damper this morning than uh, than I really like it. The chairs were wet and it was it wasn't raining, but it was like the air was sweating or leaking. It was about a hundred percent humidity. It's that time of year in this part of Texas. Uh, brought to you by coffee and also by changed decisions. Yesterday at the waterfall, I came up with a totally new way of doing something that I had said I absolutely was not going to allow to do. We're not going to do X. And then yesterday morning I went, how about we should do X? And my wife is like, okay, why now? So uh, anyway, so today we're working through that process of, of having me change the decision. And, and I don't do that very gracefully. I'm, I'm working on that. How do you handle that? When you, when you say, look, I'm not going to do that, and then later you think about what really is the right and best thing to do, and you go, you know what? It's the thing I said I wasn't going to do. That's the best thing. Well, I struggle with that. I've done it today, but uh, I'm not doing it very gracefully. So if you wanted to send me kind thoughts, I'd appreciate it on that topic. But it's episode nine, whether you've changed your mind or not, and uh, welcome to the podcast. I'm glad you're here. Uh, last podcast... Uh, talked about Toby, the Wonder Dog, and had some interesting questions come up because, you know, when you're, it's just like any business. When you know it well enough, you use shorthand and you use the lingo of your particular job and you forget that other people don't know it. And so some interesting questions came out of the last podcast about Toby. Somebody wondered if a polled cow wasn't a cow that had voted. No, the cows never really got to vote except with their feet from time to time. Pole just means no horns, naturally doesn't have any horns, or the horns have been bred out of that particular type of cow. That's what that means. And uh, somebody, and this is kind of a fundamental thing that I really should have remembered, because I have had arguments with grown people on this topic. Cows really can have horns. Some people think, no, only bulls have horns, but that's not true. Cows have horns, bulls have horns, steers have horns, they can all have horns. Uh, it doesn't matter whether it's a boy cow or a girl cow, whether it can have horns, they can have horns. And then there were a lot of questions about the ranch. You know, what would just, and it just occurred to me that uh, there are a lot of questions that people would have simple things like what's a hay spear or a hay fork, which I talked about in the last episode. And really, it's just a long metal spear that's hooked to the front of the tractor. It's about four or five feet long, and it's about. I don't know. I don't know. It's big around as a grapefruit. We, we measure things by grapefruits, right? It's bigger than an apple. 
It's smaller than a cantaloupe, but it's big. And you, you drive it into the hay bale like a spear. And then that's how it picks up the hay bale on the front of the tractor. Things like that came up. A lot of questions came up about where this was, where that was. And so I thought what we do today is just kind of give you a virtual tour of an old Texas ranch. Just an opportunity for you. Don't close your eyes if you're driving, right? If you're on your way to school, don't close your eyes. <laughs> I've had a lot of people say, we listen to you together as a family on the way to work and school. And I love that. So today you can, you can hear about what it's like on, on an old Texas ranch. And there's a bunch of them. And uh, not many this size in this particular part of Texas, but there are a lot of big old ranches and they all have similarities and they all have differences. And I thought I would just take a little bit of time today and make you familiar with Sassy Ranch. So buckle up and we'll go on a brief driving tour of a pretty place in Texas. Most ranches have a main gate. At Sassy, we always called it the front gate. And it didn't matter where you were coming from. That's what we called it, the front gate. It was the main way uh, to get into the ranch. And it's just an iron gate uh, in pretty good shape between solid iron uh, corners right there. You had to turn off of the county road onto a little iron ore road. And you drove down, I don't know, 150 yards, something like that, till you got to the gate. Now, on days like this, where it's been raining a lot, you had to stop way short of the gate because <laughs> there had been so many vehicles in and out that what happens is right at the gate, it gets worn down. And so the lowest part of the road is at the gates. It's always that way. So that's where it floods. And when it's this wet, it's muddy. And so you don't want to get stuck at the gate and you don't want to get out in the mud. So you park about 30 or 40 yards short of the gate and you, you climb out of your truck and you walk down the side on the bar ditch side and you walk down to the gate so you can unlock it and swing the gate open. Now on this gate, um, because there are oil wells back in there and there's a gas pipeline right of way and there's several other utility folks that have to get in there for different things. And so uh, there's a lot of, they all have a padlock. So I had a padlock and the electric company had a padlock and the phone company had a padlock and the gas company had. So you end up, what's funny is you end up with more padlocks than chain, but everybody chains their gates shut and you walk around when it's wet like this and you unlock it and you swing the gate open and you hope you don't have to climb through the water and the mud to hold it open. If you do it just right, it'll be open. You walk back to your truck, you get in and you gun it. And you just absolutely race through the water and the mud, leaving a rooster tail behind you, hoping that you don't skid into one gate post or another and that you can get all the way through it and out onto dry ground on the other side. That's what you'd have to do here today. When you get there, then, of course, you have to go back and close the gate. You may not lock it when you're there. Uh, usually what I would do is I would close the gate and I would put the chain on, but with my padlock on the inside unlocked. So if you, somebody that didn't know you drove up, they'd drive up and go, well, it's locked. We can't go that way. But your friends would know to check and see if it was open so they could tell if you were there or not. And sometimes you just left the gate open if you didn't have any cows that might wander up the road on that particular day. Now, just off to the left of the gate, uh, before you really get into the, to the ranch, on the right side of the road, there's part of the ranch, and on the left side of the road, so you're actually on the ranch. Well, on the left, in a, in a little stand of trees, if you get back there on a dry day, you don't want to go on a wet day, but you get out on a dry day, and you go back through the trees a little bit, and you look around, and you, there's, a, there's an old family cemetery back there. It's not kept up. It's not trimmed up. There's no... 
sign for it anywhere. You can't read most of what's on the stones there. Maybe the occasional piece of a name or part of a date. And it's uh, just a quiet little place and you'd miss it. If you just didn't get lost in there, you wouldn't even know it was there. But I always think about those folks and I remember that, you know, they probably thought they owned this place too. But we only have this stuff for a time, and that's uh, that's a good reminder there when you're getting started on your day at the ranch is uh, don't take anything for granted here. So after you get through the gate, you're on a long, straight iron ore road, and iron ore and slag. So it's red, and slag is from the, the pipe-making company in the next county. Well, they'll, they have these tailings and stuff, and it's just like a bunch of sharp little rocks and it's pretty much free. They don't want it and they can't do anything with it, but it's pretty good roadbed. And so you can buy that by the truckload and they'll bring it out and you spread it out with your tractor to keep your road going every other year or so you have to do that at the gate. So you can not have to run through the, uh, through the water dance again to get it out of the place. On the right-hand side of the road, now the road is covered with trees all the way down. They meet, it's like a, a tunnel made of trees all the way down. There's a barbed wire fence kind of high on the right and a barbed wire fence kind of low on the left. On the right-hand side, it's got a wooden post with good barbed wire in between them. And there are traps over there. That's what we call them. They're little three to five acre pastures. And they all exit onto an alleyway. They're five on one side and five on the other. And so you can do a lot of interesting things up there. You can kind of separate your herd into little pieces. Uh, we used it a lot for uh, young calves, for weaning calves. We'd have a little group in one pasture and a different group in another another one of the traps. And so it was useful for things like that. It was useful for feeding. It was useful for breaking them up. It was useful if you were sorting them to sell them or if you just bought them and you wanted to quarantine them for a while. Great, great little tool to have there. On the left side, the you know, I told you the barbed wire fence was kind of low on the on the side of the road, and that's because that pasture just falls away. It, it just drops away on the left. It's not real steep, but you wouldn't want to fall down it either. Uh, a lot of pine trees in that pasture growing up tall. We had an amazing lightning strike there one day that I'll tell you about sometime, and there was a little blue fox that lived over there. So most mornings when you came in, if you waited a minute at the gate, you would see the blue fox come out and see what you were doing. A lot of fun to watch. Uh, that pasture was the scene of several of my more famous wrecks. That's what cowboys call it when they fall off their horse and nearly kill themselves is a wreck. I had several good wrecks down in there that I, I'll tell you about someday because I'm, uh, I'm not proud. They, they were wrecks. I had them. So so you go down this iron ore road and there's you're in this tunnel of trees, which is wonderful in the summer. The shade is so nice. It is truly dark on that stretch of road at night because the stars and the moon don't hardly peek through. Um, when you come to the end of the trees, the world kind of opens up. It's just beautiful. The first, In fact, the first time I ever saw the place was about this time of year. It was in May, many years ago. And my wife and I went to see it to see if we wanted to work on that plan or not to be there. And we pulled out to the end of the trees, and it just, you could see forever. And at the bottom of the hill where we were was a big, beautiful lake, like hundreds of acres of lake. And we thought, man, how beautiful. What a beautiful lake. What a peaceful place to be. What we didn't know was that the lake was a pasture. It was just flooded pasture. <laughs> so we didn't know that. It's about 3,000 acres, this place is. And and when it's dry, it's 3,300 acres and change. When it's wet, it's about 700 acres of high ground, and the rest of it is underwater, and it floods. 
several times a year uh, because they built a upstream of the creek that runs through the bottom of it. And they built a big lake, Lake Fork Reservoir in Texas. If you want to catch big fish, that's where you go. But when they get too much water in the lake, they open the dam, the spillway, and it uh, spills right into this ranch. And so you have to move cows in a hurry. It can be a real problem. <laughs> More stories there, obviously. But the world kind of opens up, and on the right-hand side, you've got your working corrals, and you've got your main barn and your barnyard there. And on the left, you can see Horde Hill, which is this great big iron ore hill that uh, you can get on the top of and just see pretty much forever. Uh, if you go downhill from there, you go down uh, to the Dutch Roof Barn. It's a pretty steep drive down, uh, and at the bottom of it is Black Creek, which is, runs through there. Uh, and if you pass the... The Dutch Roof Barn and cross over Black Creek and keep going on this iron ore road, you end up at the Double Blue Gates, which is exactly what you'd think it is. It's two blue metal gates there at the bottom. And then beyond that is the wilderness. Beyond that is the bottomland. And, uh, and it gets kind of wild down there. But let's go back up the hill to the main barn for a minute, and I'll tell you about that. At the main barn, uh, of course, there's one big barn, and it's got a drive door in the front and a drive door in the back, so you can pull great big tractors in and work on them, or you can have feed delivered, you can have hay stored in there if you want to. I used to park my truck in it when I was there. I'd come in and pull the tractor out, pull my truck in, and you could park both of them in there side by side with room for several more if you needed to. Kept them out of the weather and kept them cool in the summer. Um the the main barn had uh, man, it had all kinds of stuff. It had some grain mills there next to it that, that I didn't use. It had some fuel tanks, above-ground fuel tanks that I did use because it's a long way to buy diesel. You didn't want to have to drive your tractor a long way, so you had diesel brought in there. And, just, and the big barnyard where you could turn all that stuff around, 18 wheelers came and turned around in the barnyard. So it's a big area, big fenced in, about five acres all fenced in there. And the corrals on the opposite side of that space from uh, from the barn. So it was a real handy area to work from. So we came in from the road side. And if you go out the other side, you end up in what's called the lake pasture. There actually was a lake. It wasn't just flooded. There was a lake there. Big big lake. I don't know how big it is. It's probably five to ten acres, which really is, is that's mighty sizable. And deep. Nobody knew how deep it was, but it was very deep down by the tank dam. And to get from the barn to the other side of the lake, you had to drive across the lake dam, which I have to tell you can get you in a lot of trouble if you're not careful about that. Uh, across the, the across the tank dam is a pipeline right away. And I roped a bull down there by myself. You should never do that in case you were looking for advice today. Never rope a bull when you're by yourself. The pipeline ran a all the way down to Lake Fork Creek, which is what caused the floods on this place most of the time. And it went all the way down there, the natural gas pipeline. And so they kept it clean two or three times a year and uh, flew over it to make sure there weren't any troubles. They monitored it pretty close. On the other side of the pipeline was a hay meadow. And you couldn't really get there from the barn side. You had to go back out the main gate and down the county road and behind somebody's house to get to the hay meadow. But that's why we didn't keep cows there because it was it was just too hard to get there. So you you made hay over in that pasture. It wasn't the best hay meadow, but it wasn't useful for much else either. So, well, the you, you could drive across the lake dam uh, in your truck. 
it wasn't the smartest thing to do because it was kind of worn in places. Now, on the right-hand side, as you drive across the tank dam, when you're leaving the barnyard, there's the lake. So there's a five or ten acre lake. And uh, again, I'm told that in the old days they put a lake there because there was a crevice they couldn't fill up. And so they couldn't bridge it. They decided to put a, uh, a lake on it. And, and the tank dam, so on the right side, you got water. On the left side, it falls away about 100 feet. Uh, and there's a lot of trees growing there. And if you roll off on that side, you're probably not going to make it. If you roll off on the lake side, depends on how good a swimmer you are, because it's a long way to shore from there. So kind of a dangerous place. There's a, uh, there's a, a couple of uh, problems with driving across it. But hey, you know, I was out there living dangerous anyway. And so I knew what I was doing, wasn't worried about it. Well, one, one time I had a bunch of cows get out on the pipeline side and go down into the bottoms where it really was kind of the jungle. And uh, so what you, you know, it's kind of hard to get them back out of the river bottom. So what you do is you put out feed that the cows like and hope you put it in the gates and hope that it'll trick some of them to wandering back into the right pasture. And uh, I had to go out there at midnight to do that because you, uh, you know, you wait until they bed down and then you put out feed. And when they wake up to wander around, they maybe will find it and some of them come back. And we did get a bunch of them back that way. But my bride said, well, I'll go with you. So that's great. We didn't have kids then. Hopped in the truck, drove out to the ranch. And it's great because I'll sit on the tailgate while you drive through the pastures and I'll put out feed when I want to and I'll open the gates and no problem. So that's what we did. And we, we did that through several places. And then we had to cross the the dam. Now it's nighttime. It's after midnight. And my bride is uh, night blind. She doesn't drive at night because she can't see at night. But on the ranch, what are you going to hit, right? We're not going five miles an hour. Well, I tell her to stop and I get in the truck and I say, okay, now drive over there. And she drives. Okay, now turn right and stop. So she turns to the right a little bit and she stops. And I said, okay, do you see that shiny silver thing way over there? And she said, yeah, I I can see that because the moonlight was hitting it good. And what it was was a a piece of equipment on the gas pipeline that they kept painted shiny. And so you can see that. Great. Okay, drive directly towards it. Don't turn left or right. Just drive straight towards it. She went, okay. I said, now, you're about to hit a bump, but but just, you know, go slow and keep going straight. She's like, okay. And then we hit the bump, and it was a good one. And then she's like, I'm all right. I said, okay, so a tree is about to hit the windshield. And you can scream, you can stop, you can, you can holler, but don't you jump. Don't turn left, don't turn right. She got real stiff, and she said, where exactly are we? And I said, we're on the tank dam. She said, if we survive, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> she didn't want to drive across the tank dam in the daylight. She certainly didn't want to drive uh, across it at midnight like I had her doing that night. So kind of an exciting place. That was an exciting point in my marriage. I have to tell you, that has led to a lot of conversations over the years. But it's a good form of shorthand because she'll occasionally say, this is like the tank dam. I'll go, uh-oh. All right. So now I know what to do about that. Uh, so if you go down that pipeline almost all the way to the end, just before you get to the Lake Fork Creek, which is a big drop off, it's more like a river, but only in Texas would it be considered that big. Uh, it feeds into the Sabine River, which is sure enough a river. So that's why the comparison, it's a creek. But down before you get there on the right hand side is an old growth forest that's part of the ranch. And these, it's just, it's full of, um, uh, on the edges, it's black walnut trees, and uh, so there's nuts 
everywhere, which means there's squirrels galore. You wouldn't believe how many squirrels you can find down there. But there's a deep in the middle of this old growth forest are a bunch of live oak trees that are, I don't know, hundreds of years old. Some of them are so old that they've got, uh, I call it graffiti on them. Uh, people that came through this area would, uh, would carve markings on it so people would know they had been there. And back then, it wasn't just a Kilroy was here. It was more of a, hey, come this way. There's actually a GL with an arrow on the tree, and that's a sign for the Good Night Loving Trail, which is kind of famous for the old cattle drives. Now, this part of Texas isn't on the Good Night Loving Trail, but if you want to get there, this will tell you from here you go that way. Right. And so it's a it's a fascinating place. And even in even in August, it's so cool up under those trees. So in Texas in August is just so incredibly hot. So you might find yourself down there and just wander around for a little bit because it's so cool and so peaceful. There's no undergrowth. It's just old growth trees and squirrels. It's a beautiful place to be. In your mind, go back with me to the main barn and let's go down the hill. And you pass the Dutch Roof Barn, which we've talked about a little bit, and you go on to the Double Blue Gates. When you pass the Double Blue Gates, you can go straight or you can go left. Both directions take you into the bottomlands, where it is just sloughs, which is a kind of a drainage ditch, but on a grand scale. Lots of ponds and some areas that just never dry out. Swamps. There's big alligators down there that you can hear at night, which is terrifying. Uh, Turkey Island is out there, which is kind of a high spot. When it floods, if you don't get your cows out in time, you'll find the smart ones on Turkey Island. There's nothing to eat, but at least they don't have to swim to be there. Uh, and along the bottom, there's a bunch of old home sites. So years ago, a family put together this ranch out of a lot of different home sites. And you can still find the old homestead sites down there. Usually you find them because you find a well, a water well. There's pieces of fences. You can tell where the houses were because there are, you know how spring bulbs come up, uh, jonquils and uh, lilies and things like that from bulbs. Well, you'll know where you found an old home because there will be bulbs planted and they're still coming up all these years later. Nothing left of the house, but the bulbs are still there. You'll find pieces of fences here and there. And it's just, it's a, it's an interesting uh, kind of cultural way to, to walk around the world and know that others were here before us. Uh, speaking of others here before us, if you at the Double Blue Gates, if you go left, you come to a big stand of black walnut trees, which provide a lot of shade in the summer, which is a, a sought-after thing any time of year in Texas, but particularly in the summer. So whenever you're working in the bottom, you'd end up parking at these uh, at these trees. And we had a beaver problem. We had a lot of beaver on the ranch and they create all kinds of havoc, but they're protected. So you can't just haul off and shoot one. That's not right. They don't let you do that. You have to call the state and the state of Texas will send out the state beaver man. Wouldn't you love to have that job? <laughs> and so he'd come out in the evenings and spend the night laying in the mud at my ranch. And he would, he called it harvesting. We called it shooting, but he'd harvest the beaver that were causing the problems because you have to control the populations or they'll get out of hand and really create some some environmental disasters, they will, even though they are part of the environment, they can really change it up. And so he came out, and this was an interesting cat, right? He spends all of his, his, his business is laying in swamps in the middle of the night, <laughs> which is not for everybody, right? That's not a job I'm after. But if it's interesting to you now, you know that Texas has a state beaver man. Well, we're walking around. I showed him where I parked up by the the black walnuts there in one of the problem areas. And he was walking around and he lays down on the ground and starts digging in his hole with his hand. 
And the next thing you know, he's kind of broken through a layer and he's up to his shoulder. He's laying flat on the ground with his hand down in this hole. And I'm thinking, there are so many snakes over here. I would not stick my hand down there. But hey, man, he lays in swamps all night. It's up to him. He comes up with a piece of pottery. I'm like, how'd you know that was there? And he said, this is an old burial site. This is an old Native American burial site. And I don't know how he knew that, but it didn't make me comfortable to know that. So I wasn't sure what to do with that information, but it certainly changed the way I operated when I was out there after dark. <laughs> I still like the shade of that spot, though. So if you go through that stand of, of black walnut trees a good ways, you end up in the far back pasture. We called it the far back pasture. We called it the way back pasture, the in the back pasture. Uh, it was high and dry when it flooded, but it was inaccessible. So if it flooded, you, if your cows were back there, they were fine. You just didn't know it. You couldn't see them. You couldn't lay eyes on them. There was no way to get there. Uh, so it was kind of uh, kind of nerve-wracking at that point. Uh, it was called the far back pasture uh, until I roped my first calf there, and then it became known as the place that I roped the calf with the chair on his neck which is a story for another day. <laughs> it's a good one, though. You don't, uh, you don't often have a problem with cows getting chairs stuck on their heads, but that's what happened, and it's a good story. I'll tell you another time. A lot of stories happened on that ranch, and I'm looking forward to telling you most of them. Some of them are kind of embarrassing, <laughs> but I'll tell those too, I bet. Um, well, there you go. There's your tour of a ranch in Texas. I hope you liked it. It's a beautiful place. A lot of fun things happen there. A few scary things happen there. A lot of work got done, and that's not a bad thing. Thank you for listening. Uh, tell a friend. Leave a review. I've added the we got added on Stitcher.com, which is a great app. That's uh, that's a place you can find the podcast now, and a lot of people use it. There's a lot of good stuff on there. So look around while you're there. Leave a review. Tell somebody about it. Share it with a friend. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate that. Uh, I believe about this podcast the same thing I believe about uh, our days. The best is yet to come. It really is. Thanks a lot for listening. This is Old Hat signing off. <laughs>